Hi, I'm Nathan, and you're listening to ChimeraCast. Today is the second episode of our Trophy Gold campaign with Jason Cordova. If you haven't yet, you should go back and listen to the first, which of course can be found in the main feed. This series and other trophy goodies can be found at TrophyRPG.com or check the show notes for links. You can follow Jason on Twitter at JasonCordova6 and check us out while you're at it at ChimeraCast. Lastly, we have some t-shirts for sale as well as some stickers, so check out TheChimera.BigCartel.com or check the show notes. I'll throw a link down there too. Thanks, and I hope you enjoy the show. to fast forward a little bit to just the being at the camp Saray. I'm going to just say that they managed to get the bear trap off of your leg. I'm not interested in RPing that or rolling for it or anything. Your ankle's injured. I think you can get around, but you're definitely hobbled. You're either going to have to have help or you're just going to move really slowly. And I'll also say that given your condition and everyone's sort of injured status, that farmhouse is in pristine condition, especially compared to every other structure you've seen for the last few days. And so there might be someone there. There are what appear to be neatly tended rows of corn there as well. And so that might be a place to rest up or to at least get some kind of help. So with all that said, I think I'd like to pick up the scene at the campsite. The vagrant hunter is knocked out. We'll just go from there. I'm in no condition to proceed into the village, I think. What, do you just want us to to leave you here? No. No. Hobbled or not, you have to keep moving. We can support you to walk over. We're all a little worse for wear. I think we could use some some rest that isn't in a creepy old fortress. But first, I want to get a look around. He must have something here useful. Perhaps he has medicine or something else. I think I'm going to spend a hunt token. Yeah, you're in luck. I think you find what appears to be like a roll kit, you know? There's one bottle that's filled with a thick, medicinal-smelling liquid substance. And there's another bottle that has a very, very sweet smell to it. It has a liquid as well. And there's also things like bandages and, and stuff like that. You can put in your gear a medical pouch on its own, worth of gold, or usable, obviously. So Thistle is digging through this hunter's tent and finds this. Ah, if I have some time, I can hopefully patch us up a little bit. What are we going to do with him? And I nod towards the unconscious hunter. Can't imagine he'll be too happy when he wakes up. Why well, wouldn't be? Sorry, what, what, what do you have planned here? Why, why did you attack him? I believe he had no intention of helping us. And as you can see, I point to the hands on the bandolier. He seems like he might have been inclined towards violence. Or magics, uh, uh, fetishes of some kind. Uh, do either of you have a fence that could maybe fetch some gold for these? I'm like kind of flicking at them. And are these things I could exchange for gold? Yeah, you can put the handelier in your equipment worth one gold. All right, yeah, I'm going to take my dagger and flick the cord of the handelier and shove it into my pack. I'm sure I can find somebody. That still doesn't answer the question of what we're going to do with him. 
I think we should maybe be a little bit more brisk with him, tie him to a tree, and ask him what's going on here. I'm not sure that I want to be around when he wakes up. Tying him to a tree is a good idea, I think. Uh, that, sure, sure. Uh, uh, let's tie him up. Let's tie- we can't have him following us, if nothing else. Uh, does anybody have rope? I think you all have access to rope in your selectable equipment. Yeah, I just wanted to clarify. I'll go ahead and mark it on mine. I'll also say that he has enough equipment at camp to where you can each have an extra selection of selectable equipment, if you wish. Cool. Then yeah, uh, Thessal will pull out some rope and we'll drag him over to a tree and tie him to it. I think he's pretty well secured, still unconscious. What do you do then? Do you really think we should just leave him and go on, or should we inquire? I don't really want to talk to him, to be honest. It seemed like he wasn't giving you any useful information anyway. Well, then I'm willing to follow you and leave him tied to the tree. All right, here, give me your arm. I'm going to take Sere's weight on her bad leg. So are you then just continuing down the road to, I guess, the shrine would be the next thing, or you could go straight to the village, or what's next? I'm worried that if we stay on the road, we'll encounter some other person with ill intent. Why don't we just cut over to the farmhouse? It seems to be the only part of this town that's still thriving. Uh, Sounds good to me. Perhaps a warm bed or some wine. So you can cut across to get to the farmhouse, and to be perfectly honest, cutting across the overgrowth and the wilderness is about the same as following the road to the village in terms of terrain difficulty because it's so overgrown. But as you move through, you know, you see a few things. A cow carcass that's been picked clean by bugs and carrion birds. And there's this very deep, rich smell of soil mingled with the smell of feathers, fur, and blood. Like there's this iron twang that hits your nose. The farmhouse, as you approach it, You can see on the side, there's a mural that depicts this sunny pastoral scene of people working the land, you know, harvesting the corn, cutting the stalks. And those stalks, you have seen wild corn growing, but also rotting. Here, the corn has been planted in neat rows. It's well-tended. It's not rotten. It stands out because of that, right? Like, imagine this sort of scene of just, like, wild growth and chaos suddenly interrupted by this little dot of well-ordered, well-tended perfection. And that's kind of what this place is, right? As you get closer to the farmhouse, you hear the mewling of newborn kittens coming from underneath. And the mother will sort of come out and eye you, you know, a little bit. But then, like... She clearly has a sort of fresh, proud glow of having just given birth to cats, right, to kittens. This farmhouse is a new set. It has the set goal, learn the scarecrow ritual. As you approach, I think you are getting close to the front yard of the house. We'll start with Ezio. Ezio, what do you do? We're walking past all these mewling kittens, having recently passed by all this awful decay, born also with this kind of new vigor and, like, confidence. Is there like a door to the farmhouse? Can I just go right up to it? Yeah, there's a porch. And on the porch, there's a rocking chair that's swaying back and forth in this warm breeze that you've been kind of feeling as you get closer. And there's like a tinkling of reed wind chimes that are kind of hanging on the porch. And and yeah, there's a door. I thought this entire escapade would be doom and gloom. And here we are. This place is beautiful. It's It's not all going to be bad. And I'm like, walk up to like, I'm surely somebody here can help us. Perhaps you feed us a little bit, huh? 
and I'm going to like go and walk up onto the porch and just pound on the door. Yeah, as you step up to the porch, you'll also notice that there's a jack-o'-lantern that has been preserved in wax, like sitting near the base of the door. And like I mentioned, there's just this lovely warm breeze and the sound of scampering animals in the tall rows of corn and the smell. It's less blood-tinged. No one answers the door, though. I kind of stand awkwardly by the door, like making an expectant face to my companions. When nothing happens, I pound on the door again. Nothing. Ah, uh, should I go in? You said there was a jack-o'-lantern? There's a jack-o'-lantern, yeah, yeah. I'm just interested in what that means here. Is it a symbol of like a All Hallows Eve kind of thing? Yeah, that's a good question. I think you would know that it's the sort of thing, much like we use them, it's like to keep spirits at bay. This one's not lit, though. It's been preserved very carefully in wax so that it doesn't rot. It seems like they were preparing for a long time. And I dip my finger into the wax or, like, kind of scratch at the surface of the waxed pumpkin. Perhaps we should go in. No one may be left. I can tell you if my farm looked like this, I would have no problem sharing with strangers. Ezio just, like, winks at you. Understood. Is the door locked? Can I open the door? It is open, yeah. I will open the door and begin walking right in, and what greets me? Go ahead and make a hunt roll at this point. You get one light die just for doing it, and then you get another light die if you're using a skill or a piece of equipment. Security? Oh yeah, absolutely. That's great. Okay, so we got two light die. That's a six. I get a token. Great. Go ahead and take your token. The farmhouse has four rooms in total. There is a kitchen and a family room downstairs, and then there are two bedrooms. Well, not really bedrooms. They're more just like bisected loft spaces when you climb a ladder to go up to the top levels, there's like two stories. You climb a ladder to get to the top loft spaces. It's very dusty, and you can sense that no one's been here in a while because the dust is quite thick. But it's comfortable. The beds have enough straw left in them to be comfortable. There are a couple of frayed and tattered, but nevertheless relatively intact chairs, that sort of thing place to cook you know you've got like a hearth you've got all that kind of stuff it's all ready to be lived in and i'll tell you since you rolled so well the seemingly safe space that this is if you spend the rest of the day and the night here i will let you reduce your ruin by one so if i understood correctly i, I crept in looked around and did you two wait on the porch or did you come in i think probably we would wait at first and then when nothing happens that we would follow you in I even look out a window from the, the lofted room. And, There's no one here, and it's great. <laughs> and I like uh, I run and jump onto one of the beds and like stick my feet up, kick my shoes off and everything. I think I don't follow in, but I go to the row of corn. Are these husks ready to go? Like I can peel them right off? They're, they're a little green still. They're not quite ready for harvest, but I can't stress enough how intact it all is and how neatly tended to it all is and this is only obvious precisely because everything around it is so overgrown and wild <laughs> right this is order imposed on the growth of this place and make a hunt roll make a hunt roll too we've pushed well into that i don't think any of my stuff applies here protection speed vigilance or omens and then you have marbles, a pot of tar, and a mystery scroll. <laughs> oh, we still have to find out what that scroll is. And of course, you can always choose an item from your adventuring gear, right? your pack. No, let's just roll the one and see what happens. <laughs> <laughs> a one. You lose your hunt roll tokens that you have. 
and you encounter something terrible. You are walking along the outer perimeter of the Rose of Corn, and to your right you see a scarecrow, arms outstretched, head kind of dipped down like scarecrows tend to be. And you keep walking and checking things. Maybe the cat catches your attention, and you look to the right again, and you see corn, and you see the scarecrow. And you keep going. Perhaps a snake slithers out into the open and gets to cover underneath a rock. Catches your eye because, let's face it, you've had kind of an experience with snakes lately. But then you turn back to the corn, and you see the corn, but no scarecrow. What do you do? You know, it's that scene where you think you've just misplaced it. They would see me, like, walking along in the shadow of these corn stalks going row by row by row. And then I look up again, and I don't see the scarecrow. And I, you know, as quick as I can, start hobbling from side to side, trying to be like, oh, it must be hidden behind. Where, where, where did that, where'd you get off to now? And when I walk back and forth, I don't see it. I just start walking in the corn towards where the scarecrow was. Oh, you're rocking towards it. Good. Let's cut over to Thessal for a bit. Thessal, what are you up to? Well, Saray went out to check out the corn, but I'm going to see if there's any other food here because we might as well take advantage of it if they have it. So I think I'm looking for a root cellar, which I guess means I'm looking for a cellar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like that. Make a hunt roll. Um, I know plants because I'm a farmer. Would that count, perhaps? Uh, maybe. You did used to be a farmer, and I think that's maybe that alone might be enough justification for it. Uh, the storage of plants, right? Yeah, makes sense. Okay, cool. So then I end up with two. That's a five. So I get a token, but I encounter something terrible. Finding the cellar is not too much trouble. There's a great big rug underneath some of the chairs in the main sitting room, and you kind of pull that up, and you find a trapdoor that almost certainly goes down to some sort of basement storage, although why it's hidden may be a question for another time. But then when you look up, you see something out the window, a window that's on the roadside of the house. There's a little bit of corn there, but the main cornfield is on the other side. You're looking out to the roadside of the house. And you can see something testing the edge of the property line, basically. Let's say there's like a patch of something, maybe not corn, but some other kind of garden-type thing there, and a tree, and you can see something trying to move in, but it's blocked a little bit. If you watch it for a moment, you'll see a thick, oily black tentacle probing, but then pulling back, and then probing a little more, but then pulling back. Like it's touched something hot. It can't get close. What do you do? I think I watch it for a while and it must just be a trick of the light. It's strange. Um, I'm sure it's nothing. I'm speaking out loud to myself. And then I'm going to continue to poke around the cellar and spend a hunt token. You go down to the basement and the first thing you notice as soon as you get down there, there is at the bottom of the ladder a set of very nice farm tools. Beautiful, nicely oiled, and not rusty. The handles are thick, lacquered wood. You don't do any farming, but these tools would definitely fetch a nice price. There's a spade, uh, like a hoe, and maybe a shovel. They look like they were maybe even a gift because they haven't been used, and they all kind of match. In any case, it's worth one gold. Definitely. I I know what good tools look like, even if I'm not farming anymore. 
and we'll come back to the rest of the basement in a moment. Ezio, what are you up to in the meantime? When we last left, I had jumped onto the bed, causing a huge cloud of dust to just (laughs) fly up and begin settling around the room. And I'm waiting for my companions to enter the house with me, and we can cook some dinner or look around for some wine or something, but they don't come in. It doesn't take very long for me to get bored. It's far too early to fall asleep, though I am getting drowsy in the afternoons. We're early, like mid mid morning, right? Late morning. Yeah, it's like it's like late morning. Yeah, the late morning sun. But finally, I become like kind of irritated and like look out and start to where are? And I see Saray pacing throughout the cornfield, limping toward the post where the scarecrow was. Can I see the scarecrow? Do a hunt roll. I don't think any of my abilities are gonna apply here. I don't like. No, I'm just gonna do just gonna do one. Okay. Yeah, that's a two. I encounter something terrible. <laughs> Indeed, you are at the ledge of the window, looking out. As you've described, you see Saray and you see the pole where the scarecrow used to be. I don't think you're like quite at the window yet. You're just kind of looking out, but you start to hear a distinct heartbeat. Bum bum, bum bum, bum bum, bum bum. And it's coming from just outside the window. Bum, 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 bum. What do you do? As the violins begin reaching a higher and higher pitch, I slowly right. walk toward the window and I'm going to peek over the ledge. Sray, you are ambling out into the middle of the cornfield. What are you doing as you sort of go? Because this is a bit of a slow trip for you, right? <laughs> it's not exactly a fast, yeah. a fast trip. I think Saray has had a rough go of it. I think I'm just humming like a hymnal tune of my god about the great falcon in the sky, using it as a calming mechanism, right? As I trudge around towards the, I assume it's just like a cross that's left. Right, yeah, yeah. As I'm walking towards that. You reach it, and it's unusual in the sense that the wood has been carved all over with symbols and runes up and down the central stake, and then this cross beam as well. I definitely am going to try and read these if I have any capability as such. I think you should. That's definitely a hunt roll. Let's take a look at your skills. I don't know if omens quite fit, unless you can justify it. Some omen about missing scarecrows or something. (laughs) (laughs) Give me a story. (laughs) I don't know how scarecrows fit into the mix of all of this. My god is probably above the the lowly crows, so it might see a, a scarecrows as a mockery to it. So you think this might be a sign from your god, then? That he's undressed a scarecrow, right? As he wishes to undress this whole place. I'm into it. Go ahead and make a hunt roll. Uh, looks like I got a four. Very good. Uh, take your token. I don't think you are able to learn anything in particular from the markings of the runes. At least you don't get any sort of divine inspiration. It's also not entirely clear whether this has anything to do with your religious practice, but there is something between the rows, shuffling about nearby, I'd say 50 paces or so, and you have the distinct smell of that vile bile of the ill belchers. It hits your nose, foul and repellent. Gag reflex kicks in. I start to shudder back and away from it, shambling around. As quickly as I can, start shuffling back towards my compatriots, back towards the house, away from whatever that is. I think that's going to be a risk roll, but we'll come back to it in a minute. Fessel, the basement, 
you see that it's some sort of workshop. There is straw and burlap piled up in one corner, and there's a wooden table, and laying across it is a partially constructed scarecrow. There's also a shelf with some jars and some books and rolled up scrolls, pieces of paper. What do you do? This is definitely not what I was expecting. You know, this is not what my cellar looked like when I had a farmhouse. Building a scarecrow, I guess that's a normal thing that you would do in a workshop, maybe. But having all of these books and scrolls around all of this, like, collected dust from all of the straw and everything, that isn't normal, I feel like. So I'm going to go poke up there and start pulling some of these books down, flipping through them, checking out what this scroll has on it. Yeah, go ahead and make a hunt roll. See if there's anything I can justify here using an item. Is it interesting to need reading glasses? Can I pull those out? You can pull those out, absolutely. Yeah. Yes. That's really fun, actually. <laughs> Is that one of the options on the thing? No. <laughs> Is that all right? Can I go on? No, that's great. That's within the realm of permissibility. If it was anything crazier than that, I probably would say no. But Cool. So yeah, I look through these and I'm, I'm squinting and I can't really make much out. You know, I was never great at reading anyway. So I pull out my old reading glasses and unfold them. I think they're those old school ones with the big loops in the back put those over and then get back to reading so let's see what i get for this hunt roll i love it yeah go ahead and make a hunt roll a four so i get a token but i encounter something terrible that seems perfect i think you'll need a little bit of time to make sense of the notes and things but the terrible thing one of those jars on the shelf definitely has tiny hearts in it oh, no. preserved in pickling fluid little beanbag sized hearts and cutting back over to Ezio for a moment do you look down, Ezio? I'm slowly creeping over to the ledge. It's still thrumming in my ears. Fingers curl around the edge of the window, and I slowly begin peeking over the side. You are met with a pair of mismatched button eyes staring at you from down below, and a mouth, a zigzag threaded mouth, and a face of burlap. The scarecrow is clinging to the side of the house like Spider-Man. The heartbeat is loud in your ears. It stares at you with its head sort of cocked to the side. How do you know instinctively that it's taking the measure of you right now? Were I to button eyes, its head is slowly growing, it would seem to me, as I'm staring at it. But then I realize that its neck is elongating as it's getting closer to me. Nice. After a moment, it just falls down to the ground. You see it fall. It lands softly <laughs> because it's made of burlap and hay. And then it arches its back and kind of spider walks backwards in a gangly way, in a flopping way. At a certain point, its legs and lower half get the better of the arms and the legs flop over. And so it like does a backflip essentially, or a front flip, I guess. And it's just sort of flailing and flopping, and then it disappears into the groves of corn. Saray, I want to risk roll to escape this. Yeah. I think the penalties are going to be really tough here because you are injured badly. But in any case, gang, meaning um, JD and Nathan, what could go wrong here if this roll is failed? The scarecrow catches you. Like we run into each other as I'm trying to leave and it is entering the corn. We get entangled. Yeah. Yeah, I like that. 
I think it could be as simple as you have to do combat with this ill belcher, assuming that's what it is. I think maybe you run deeper into the cornfield and lose your sense of direction in these mm. high growths. That's pretty good, too. Those are all pretty good. Great. So let's take a look at the roll here. You get a light color die if the task is something you are skilled at because of your occupation, background, or training, or because you're taking advantage of a piece of equipment or the environment. What do you think? Though I am injured, one of my skills in my occupation is speed. <laughs> okay. And I'm trying to hurriedly get away from it's re- relative here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Maybe just nimbly knowing how to run. Yeah, I think that probably combined with, I assume you're trying to hide in the corn as well. Yeah. Right. The classic horror movie, like shift row, shift back and forth, trying <laughs> right, to lose yeah. it. That's good. So let's talk about devil's bargains. I'll remind you that devil's bargains are things that we each can make an offer to you. They are things that will happen in the fiction if you accept them no matter what, whether you succeed or fail. And they can cover a broad range of fictional territory. They don't have to even be related to this specific thing going on. I say maybe you run full speed ahead, damn your ankle, worsening your injury. It's pretty good. Maybe even like making it to where you don't get the ruin clear for staying here for the day. Mm. My offer is no matter what, you dawn. A carapace, a breastplate, if you will, of snake swarm. May I inquire as to the dawning process, or is that is that that's up to you? Okay, yeah, okay, that's up to me. All right, <laughs> that's my offer, Nathan. If you have an offer, go for yeah, it. Yeah, I don't think I have anything that's going to beat either of those. I wanted to do something with the with the bear woman, but nothing. Um, it's still not as exciting as the snake carapace. Yeah, and I think just because I also want to know the logistics of this, I'm going to take this devil's bargain of getting a snake carapace. Go ahead and roll your two light dice. I don't know if you're quite yet risking your mind or body, intentionally at least, so go ahead and roll two light dice, and if you need to add the dark die later, you can. I got a four. Four light. So there'll be a complication, to be real specific about the rule here. You succeed, but there's some kind of complication. I'll describe the complication, then you describe how you succeed. I'll tell you what the complication is, though, so you can decide if you want to add a dark die or not, bearing in mind that that would be incredibly dangerous to do because you're a five ruin. But the complication will be kind of what JD was leaning toward. I'm just going to change the nature of your condition. You can still get the, the ruin benefit of staying here, but I will change the condition to be something maybe a little more problematic. But if you're cool with that, you succeed. Describe how. I'm hobbling away from this creature that smells of the bile and the vomit. It feels like it's gaining on me, right? As I hobble through the corn, it just seems to effortlessly trail behind me, almost like it's when the hunter is so in control, it seems like they're toying with you. And I think that just makes me break into a dead sprint, my ankle snapping as I start to just sprint full tilt as the scarecrow goes into the corn, almost side by side, and I'm just screaming, Ezio! (laughs) We'll talk about the snake thing in a minute, but I'm going to add just a little twist to this as well. You hear that the ill belcher trying to track you down, trying to come towards you. They have these strange vocalizations. I don't know if I did it last time or not, but then you sense something coming from the other direction, from the farmhouse, something coming from the cornrows. That thing is getting closer to the ill belcher. And then you hear a little bit of a struggle and the ill belcher just goes quiet. And then whatever that thing was keeps moving closer to the center of the cornfield, back towards the pole. I think you literally can't walk on your ankle at this point, but you are safe. I'm going to cut over to Thessal. Thessal, how do you react when you see these little tiny hearts in the jar? 
Are they beating? No, they're preserved. Okay. That's uncomfortable. I think I get distracted from my reading and I keep catching it and glancing at it and realizing I'm uncomfortable. Oh, I'm just going to grab a stack of these books and I head back up the stairs <laughs> out of the cellar. Um, maybe I just need a little bit more light to read better. When you get upstairs, most of the books are journals that are inscribed as belonging to a person named Beatrix Mandrake, colon, <laughs> Diabolist <laughs> and Showwoman Extraordinaire. The other two books are volumes on the manufacture and animation of magical constructs. The journals indicate that Beatrix did something she feels really guilty about, but she never quite says what, and that she's trying to set things right. Oh, and also, she's been trapped in this house for some weeks. And so she decided to try to create a quote, as she puts it, guardian. And her notes seem to indicate that she was trying to make the scarecrows some sort of guardian. She acknowledges that this is incredibly dark magic that she's using, but sometimes you have to fight the dark with the dark, she says. What about the scroll? Was that something different or just more notes and diagrams? Ah, the scroll is specifically directions for a ritual called enliven. The scroll can be used as a one-time use of the ritual, or it can be the basis for learning it later on. Yeah, I think I'm pouring over these. I mean, this is, like you said, probably taking me a while. So unless I hear something from... Yeah, you'll eventually get interrupted by Saray, <laughs> right? And presumably Ezio, too. Ezio, what do you do when you see the Scarecrow fall down? This is probably all happening right around this time. Ezio is, is frozen as the Scarecrow falls and hits the ground. Normally such a coward, he can't even bring himself to run. And at the same moment when the Scarecrow runs into the cornfield, Saray comes bursting out. You're probably tripping over yourself and, and half crawling, running well, like you're being chased. And so Ezio runs down the stairs. I'm going to throw open the door of the farmhouse. What? What is it? What did you, what, did you see it? And I, I like run and like pull you up onto the porch, Saray, and start dragging you into the house. Then I'm just shaking and pointing out in the field. There, there, was, there, there was one, and, and then there was another one. We got big button eyes and, and, and a, a burlap body. I didn't see long enough. I just smelled it's disgusting. And I loosen your grip on me to slam the door shut behind us. And you do collapse as well, because you're now probably, the adrenaline will wear off eventually. <laughs> yeah, I think it's definitely done. So I probably slump against the door. I'll definitely wrap my arms around my legs, like kind of in the, the childlike pose. Oh, sisters. Come on, we can, can you get upstairs? There, there are beds. There's a place to lay down. I'll boil some water. I, I need your help. Just And she extends her arm out. Ezio's sweating, dabbing at his brow with his perfumed cloth, and I'll, I'll take your hand and help you up to the loft. I will tell you mechanically, Thessal, because you have that medical kit, that can be used to heal a ruin, or alternatively, you can use it to make it to where Saray can walk on her ankle. For sure. I think as I cure the clatter of, of you guys in the entryway of this house, what's going on over there? Are you two all right? No! Come up here! Yeah, I'm gonna set this dusty book down and get up and make my way toward them. Oh, what happened? Ezio's shaking and, like, filling a kettle, drawing it from... Is there a well or a pump? Is that, Am I allowed to make these kind of lateral decisions? Of course. Okay. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. 
<laughs> and patting at his at his brow some more. That it was it was awful. There was a beating, and and some sort of animated uh, bag with arms. It was scare a scarecrow. There was a scarecrow. <laughs> and Saray from the cornfield. And is Saray all right? Where is she? In the loft. In the loft. I I laid her down in one of the beds. They're very nice beds, by the way. I want to take a moment to observe the symmetry of Saray investigating a scarecrow and then being essentially hauled across the room and up the loft, arms spread across Ezio's shoulders like a scarecrow, right? Like, just, I kind of like that as a, a visual. You were attacked by a scarecrow? No, it, it looked at me. What about Saray? Was she attacked by one? Is that what happened? I don't know. I she came out. The one that I saw ran in. Ah! And I'm gonna grab that medical bag and I'm gonna go up to the loft. Saray, what happened? As you're climbing up to the top, Saray is trying to clean off her legs that are covered in the fresh soil from the cornfield. Right? We had talked about like everything smelling fresh and fecund. So she's just cleaning the mud off her where she tripped up over herself. Probably using just the dusty bed sheets uh, haphazardly. Here, stop, stop. You're just making yourself dirtier. Let me see your leg. Is that where it's the worst? My wince as you touch my leg. Yeah, I'm going to take some of this medicinal smelling one. I'm going to clean off the leg area and go through the process of bandaging it. I think after cleaning it with this medicinal smelling medicine, hmm. <laughs> uh, I'll take, the, <laughs> I'll take the, the sweet one, which I assume is like a honey medicine mixture to keep infection down and pack that and then and then wrap your leg up with a splint in there using up this medical bag i think to make it so that you can walk again yeah that's great in the morning saray you will be able to change your condition to tender ankle Uh, looks like we're not going anywhere for the night so we might as well settle in what happened out there there was something among the stalks of corn it was following me it smelled of those those monsters we encountered before rancid bile but you were able to get away for now yes i'm worried about them barging into the house i don't know why they haven't already i think they might be fighting amongst themselves here might be a good time to remind you there was something challenging the perimeter of the property and it was not a ill belcher i think there might be more out there than we bargained for coming to this house But I think I might be stumbling on a solution, actually. I'm not sure yet. I'll I'll try to get Ezio on making us some dinner, but I have more reading to do. Yeah, and at this point it's probably getting to be like mid-afternoon, or maybe a little later in the afternoon. Yeah, you have some time to kill. I mean, nothing is trying to get in right now, and if you look out the window, you'll see the scarecrow on its post. Ezio, I'm not sure what you're doing, but it's clear to me that these scarecrows are designed to be protectors of whatever monsters are out there. And so I'm going to pour through these books until I can figure out how to get them to protect us. Yeah, give me another hunt roll, and I'll kind of use that to gauge how successful you are here. Am I I still able to use my reading glasses on this, or do I need to do... You can can still use them. Yep, go for it. That is a six. I get a token. Nice. After hours of study, you will learn the process for crafting... Uh, scarecrow construct 
Beatrix notes that the one she created for this place is especially powerful and infused with much of her personal magic, but the process she has written down is enough for you to figure out how to make your own scarecrow, if perhaps not one as powerful as Beatrix's. In any case, the scarecrow ritual will essentially allow you to create a scarecrow construct. Let me look at the actual text here. It's a ritual called Scarecrow. And the text is, create a construct of straw and burlap that will endlessly hunt a named target. It's interesting because Beatrix notes that her Scarecrow is not here to hunt. It's here to protect. And she has indicated that there's something she feels really guilty about doing, but she's at least keeping it under control. She is, quote, keeping it dreaming. It's trapped in a dream. And the Scarecrow somehow does this. You can add the Scarecrow ritual to your character sheet for free. At the very least, before we continue our adventure, I'm going to collect the straw and burlap down in the basement so that I can make one of these later if needed. Yeah, you can put Scarecrow Construct supplies. You also have to take the hearts, by the way. (laughs) That's part of the process, (laughs) is you put one of those hearts in the chest. I will further note that Beatrix expressed a significant amount of guilt about how she had to come about those hearts. Oh, okay. So that is also part of this. But I still don't know what she is protecting this place against, and she's keeping that hidden from me. I don't want to keep poking around too much. I'm a little worried to do so. And we haven't really encountered anything that I feel like this could be yet. So I think I'm just going to tear that page where she talks about that, you know, keeping it dreaming, because I don't feel like I can take these books with me. But at the very least, I want to be able to keep this in mind. And I just fold it up and put it in my pocket. Okay, that sounds good. Saray, I assume you're just resting, but Ezio, what are you doing for this sort of remainder of the day? In the in the lush area around the house, I hope I was able to find perhaps some herbs, some lavender, some thistle, some mint. I made us a nice tea that helped Saray rest. Other than that, what's the wine situation here? <laughs> <laughs> the wine situation is you can find a dusty bottle of wine, sure. You might have to crack open a few that aren't vinegar right, to find one that's not turned. Uh, Thassel, have you learned anything? Slurring a bit. Mm, I've learned some things and made more of a mystery out of others. I slam a glass down in front of you and and fill it up. Well, uh, do tell. Thank you. And I take the glass and and take a big gulp of it. That, uh, it tastes a little bit like vinegar. (laughs) (laughs) I, uh, I kind of make a face and, not bad. (laughs) <laughs> it is bad. I should have warned you. Kicking my feet up onto the table, moving some of your papers over. I'm not sure what kind of wine you have in the city, but I'll take it. Now, there was a person staying here, Beatrix. She's a sorceress of some kind, and she created that scarecrow. I I don't think it meant you any harm. Or us, for that matter. It's supposed to be protecting her or us or this place from something, but I'm not sure what. She she refuses to write about it, it seems. Well, despite its intentions, it <clears throat> it took a few years off my life, if you understand. Patting once again at my forehead. Sray, are you asleep? After much struggling and anxiety, I do get myself to go down. Good. We have a special role here. The nightmare role. <laughs> oh no. Oh, oh, no. <laughs> the birthing dream. Uh, you're going to roll a dark die, and if it's equal to or lower than your current ruin, your ruin goes up. Oh, no! no! Or, 
or 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 you take the condition the birthing dream your choice do you want to roll a real life die z i do actually this is 100 percent going to be the reason that you're going to die no it turns out i'm just going to have a birthing dream yeah, I'm going to have a birthing dream. I rolled a two, knowing full well that I could only roll a six in order not to have this happen. <laughs> You're having a dream where you are laying on a bed of sunflowers. Your belly is fat and round with child. And you're surrounded by beaming loved ones and onlookers. Tell me some of the loved ones who are here to witness this miracle. I'm a sister in the church, so it is my last memory of my parents before I went off to do that. At this point in my life, I don't think they look that much older than I am now. The grizzled beard of my father, the soft auburn hair of my mother, glowing in the sunlight, looking on proudly. The closest thing I have besides the memory of my parents to a loved one was a fellow sister in the church, someone who I confided in and who confided in me. And I think that that fellow sister of the church, who you were so close to, she kneels down at your legs and she says, it's happening. I can see it. Push, push. Tell me, Saray, what do you fear the most? Not just in this moment, but in general. Being buried alive. My whole life, I have worshipped a God who soars in the skies. And I grew up in the dirt of my family. And I think it scares me to think that someone would put me so far down. Like, I'd be away from God's presence. Like, I wouldn't be able to rise up out of the earth. I think it's probably a, a ritual that all of our people are burned. They become smoke in the air and become one with our God. But to be buried in the ground below the mud would be the worst fate. I love it. It's now beholden on the three of us, Nathan and JD, to each offer a detail about what it looks like in the dream when Saray gives birth to this fear. And it can be literal abstract whatever you think at that encouragement at that demand push you do and spilling forth like a squid's ink is the darkness i love it jd what do you think i think that that spreading ink that darkness finds itself writhing back into your nostrils and down your mouth and in your ears crawling back in through the pores in your eyes and enveloping you. And that darkness that's pouring forth from you, enveloping you, invading you, turns into tendrils, which turn into snakes. Quite a lot of snakes crawling all over your body, going inside your mouth, going in and out of your nose. You feel this heavy pressure of snakes as they pile up on top of you, pressing you down into the earth. Dozens and dozens and hundreds of serpents. How does this make you feel, Saray? Hopeless. The pressure of the snakes is no different than that of the earth. You wake up from your dream, alone, upstairs. It's 
The sun is definitely set by this point, and you continue to feel that pressure on your chest, a constriction, a writhing. How do you react? I think I just grasp at my chest, trying to almost like dig at, at the air, and I rip at my clothes around my chest. You pull serpents from your body. They are forming around your body, your torso at least. Tight, constrictive, form-fitting. It would look cool if it wasn't so horrifying. They function as armor for now. <laughs> do you call out to the others, or do you just live with this horror? I think I, I rip at it, and right, the snakes keep forming in. Maybe the one I'm able to get off me just immediately comes back. The futility sets in very quickly. You guys are still downstairs, right? I'm saying they are right now, yeah. I think I let out a yelp, but then I'd like quiet myself. Maybe part of the reason why you quiet yourself is because there's something in your throat. Yeah. It's in fact a snake crawling out of your throat, joining the swarm. Meanwhile, back downstairs, <laughs> the day is getting long. The sun is almost nearly set. You see, reassuringly, the scarecrow hanging in the dusk light. Thessal, you become aware of a few more of these creatures testing the perimeter, trying to step onto the land, but clearly unable to. Ezio! Ezio! Um, no, what? Look out there. I'm like just standing at the window, like with the blinds open. <laughs> Come here, look out here! Ezio looks out the window and then covers one of his eyes so he can see straight. Do you see them? You see shapes. They're fairly short, maybe four or five feet tall. But you see them trying to step onto the property, like from the road. And they can't, but they're trying. And there's at least six or seven of them. That's strange. You saw one earlier? I did. I think these things might be what this scarecrow is protecting us from. That's comforting in its own way. Um, and you saw one during the day as well? Yes, I think so. No, no. And I was hoping they only came out at night. Well, um, we can't stay here forever. No. I wonder if maybe we can convince the Scarecrow to come with us. Or if it's tied to this place. I'm not asking it. I've spent time speaking with Scarecrow's friend. Ezio kind of squints at you. Thessel shrugs. Some days in the field are longer than others. Do you want to do it now? No, no, I'll wait for the morning, thank you. <laughs> Fair. I think now it is time to try and get some rest. I'll take the bed if you don't mind. As Ezio begins kind of stumbling his way toward the loft. <laughs> I think I end up staying up for like another little bit, and then um, maybe the final scene is me stepping over your passed out form on the floor to get into the bed. <laughs> <laughs> nice, nice. I would like for both of you to roll the nightmare roll, please. Ah, damn. Roll a dark die. If you roll under your current ruin, you must increase your ruin or take the perfect dream. I want to see what JD rolls, and I'll do mine. Five. That's above my ruin. You're good. You sleep like a baby. How'd you do that, Sia? I haven't, I haven't yet. I'm scared. All right, that's a one. That is below, obviously. You can go up to five ruin. Or no, you're already I'm at already five at five ruin. ruin. Uh, yeah, I have to take the dream. <laughs> so, Ezio, you're asleep. And you have the dream. You are laying on a bed of sunflowers. Your belly is fat and round with child. And you're surrounded by beaming loved ones and other onlookers. Who are the loved ones who are here with you right now? 
My younger brother is there with his wide, cherubic face, smiling all tooths. He still looks like a teenager in my memory, though he's much older now. Tell me, what do you fear the most? Being alone. Dying alone, specifically. And that makes sense, because you want to retire to the Rose District, which is the jewel of the kingdom in terms of wealth and people and learning and stuff to do. It it makes sense. How does retiring to the Rose District, which is your goal, tie into the fact that you're scared of being alone? Is it more than just what I've said, or...? People who want to be alone don't retire to the city, as you're pointing out. I don't have much more to add than that, I'm sorry to say. The bustle of city life, the availability of the shops and boutiques, all the things to buy, all the people who know your name. Zachary and JD, it's now on us to describe the birth, giving birth to solitude, to loneliness, what we think that looks like. If we're having the same scene of the push... Just to make it particularly weird, I think it's your brother down there between your legs saying push. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Then your heartbeat is racing, and that racing transforms into the cloppity-clop of horseshoes on streets, cloppity and cloppity, and it seems to build when it happens, when the birth happens. All the sounds, the chitter-chatter of people in the streets the clops of the horses that were being drug across them, that silence just overtakes everything. And you hear nothing, nothing at all. And I think the loved ones around you, your brother there with you to support, quickly fade into shadows. And as the light changes, they vanish. And where you thought there were people to support you, people around you, there is in fact no one. There are banished by the light and a man crawls out from between your legs head first and he turns around and props himself up on your knees to stare at you the flesh covers his eyes as if it were wax melted over the eye sockets hair is patchy the mouth is sewn shut like the scarecrows with a zigzag thread You can tell this person is scared because they can't see anyone. They can't talk. And then they desperately claw at the threads and rip them open. And they have no tongue with which to speak. And so it's just... (sighs) And the dream ends. Ezio's been silent screaming for who knows how long, wake up with his mouth closed and his throat dry around the post of a bed. Those of you who had dreams, how were you able to recover the evening to where you were able to have a restful night? I had to get off the bed and sleep on the floor as well. More because it's something that's more comfortable for me. Grew up sleeping on the floor. The carapace, I think I can't deal with. (laughs) And I don't think I have a try. I think it found its form in me. And once that happened, once the wriggling had settled down, sorry, I'm going to put it towards something I know a little bit more, like when a cat settles in for the night. I probably am just clutching at my chest like that on the ground. And I take deep breaths and pray to my God. 
Ezio, after waking up, releases the post of the bed and looks around. I walk down into the kitchen and drink the last little bit of cold tea that was prepared earlier. And when I come back to the loft, Saray is on the floor. Ezio smirks for a moment and steps over her and settles nicely into the straw bed. And I think at this point, Saray, your companions still aren't aware of the snakes. And you can even cover it with a shirt or whatever if you don't want to be very open about that right now. The next morning, everyone can lower your ruin by one. Thessal, what's the first thing you do in the morning? I'm going to do what I always do, um, which is put a pot on, wash my face and hands a little bit, get some of the traveling grit off of me. I'm going to look around. Oftentimes, I used to make, I feel like, spiced tea, just spices and flowers collected from the wilds. But if I'm lucky, maybe they have some coffee somewhere. (laughs) Maybe. I think that you may not be able to find coffee, but you might be able to go out into the yard and get some chicory root, make a make a coffee of sorts, and eventually everyone will get up. What do you do next? Ezio, drink this. You'll feel better. Come on, it's time to get out of bed. Ezio's got his cloth placed firmly over his eyes, clenching at it, keeping the sunlight out. Fine. Hoist myself up a little bit and powdily sip at it. Are you going to talk to the scarecrow? I will, I will, but Saray's in the in the den. We should discuss what we want to do today. Come on. Fine. I roll out of bed and come down to the den. And Saray, at this point, your condition changes to tender angle, and you, you are able to get around. It's just a little sore. You're, you're not prevented from moving. Also, I've put on my thicker leather for the reins to cover up what's going on. Should we not be off towards the town? I think the town is a sensible next step after we've had some time to recover. If nothing, this place has given me the resolve to get what we need and get out. I've found nothing of value in this place. Just things that wish to haunt me. The town sounds fine. Uh, Should we see how the hunter is doing? What were you afraid of before from him? The same things I'd be afraid of now. I see your point, but I don't know. He might know something. There's an idea. I think perhaps better to avoid his campsite for now. And pray our paths do not cross. I am in agreement. All right, fine. So the town, then. The road that abuts the farmhouse, that's actually fairly clear, leads directly into the village of Hester's Mill. It's less than half a mile. It's not far. I want to talk to the scarecrow before we actually leave. Oh, okay, sure. Yeah, yeah. As you get closer... It's just you? Probably. I assume my companions are too creeped out, but I could be mistaken. No, no, no. I'm too creeped out. I'm not going. And I, I'm ready to leave. I might be, like, by the path down, so I'm not too far out of reach, but I'm not going back in there. There's nothing there. So you're going alone, then. As you reach that sort of cleared area where the scarecrow is hanging, you will see at the base of the pole there is an ill belcher corpse it looks like its head and neck has been twisted like the head is like almost backwards and it's just laying there dead beneath the scarecrow which is just there arms spread head hanging down i'm gonna look down at it and then back up at the scarecrow and you will also hear the steady beating of a heart boom 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 boom. it's funny that heartbeat because i wouldn't say it's loud and audible you hear it 
in your head. What do you do? Ah, so I do have you to thank for saving our friend yesterday. We could use your help on our travels, friend. Can I convince you to come with us? There's no reaction. And I assume even in my animation or whatever, because this was a special one, there wasn't anything about like manipulating it to do what I wanted. No, and in fact, the ritual that you learned, all you do is after you make it, and after you sew up the heart and say the words, you just speak the name of the target. Right. Well, I understand. You have important duties here, it seems. But still, I thank you. And I'm going to take out my bag of hard candies and I'm going to like kind of stuff one of these hard candies like in its burlap pocket. Well, hopefully our paths cross again. If you uh, don't mind, and I'm going to pull my skinny knife out and try to harvest some, some goodies from this ill belcher. I like that. Go ahead and roll eight cold dice. Woo! So that is three sixes. You have already identified the glands as something you can take from the creatures. You get to take glands plus two more things, which you get to identify now. So these things spit. I was trying to think. Oh, yeah. Didn't they have like weird eyes? They kind of glow yellow in the dark. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Maybe their eyes would be another one. And then um, maybe I'm going to like cut away some of its its chitin, like its shell exterior. While you're doing this, and that takes a bit, right? It takes a little time. A little boy steps into the clearing with you and the scarecrow. He is about five years old, dressed in rough-spun peasant garb. He sees you, but climbs the pole to where the scarecrow is, puts his ear up to the scarecrow's chest, and puts his hand on his own chest, and you hear the beating. Boom, 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 boom. And then he reaches in, takes the candy, slides down the scarecrow pole, and scampers back into the rows of corn. Wait, I have more! Uh, and I'm going to try to follow this kid. There's no sign of him. Well, I come back up to the scarecrow. If you see him again, put in a good word. And I put another candy in its pocket. And then I'm going to head back to the crew. So are we just moving to the village at this point? I believe so. Heading down the road? I think so. The village of Hester's Mill. As you walk down the road away from the farmhouse, the land becomes more wild, more untamed, unchecked in the overgrowth as you've been accustomed to. The village itself, there's very little of it left standing. An odd cottage or two, a half-crumbled well, a decaying stable. The only feature that's fully intact from the village's heyday is the mill itself. And the mill is a sort of two-story circular stone building with a crimson slat roof and two big double doors. And those double doors are painted. There's two of them. One's like a deep purple and the other's like a midnight green. And they're chained shut from the outside. And a message has been carved in wild scratching marks, the letters forming a sentence. Do not believe Mandrake's lies. Mandrake, of course, referring to Beatrix Mandrake, whose notes you had at the farmhouse. Other things you'll notice just as you sort of scan the village. There's remnants of what this place used to be. A scythe, 
leaning against a wall, its blade red with rust. Buckets of wet, orange-hued soil, stacks of brown and gold burlap sacks sort of stuck together with mud or maybe blood, it's unclear. I think you see a fat, orange tabby cat keeping a terrified mouse on the edge of death near the stables. Saray, what's the first thing you do? I walk over to the scythe, and I grab it, and I look at it, examining its quality. And I take it by the haft and slam it into the ground, and I say, There is nothing worth a damn in this village, is there? I have looked and looked and tried to be a good person, but I need to think about myself now. Ezio's clutching at his chest where pearls would be. (laughs) I'm assuming that the only thing worth a damn is inside of there, and I gesture towards the mill itself. Here's where I should tell you that this is a new set, the village of Hester's Mill. The goal is gain the ability to see and hear the demon Malfast. (laughs) This counts as knowing its weakness. Fantastic. I don't know. People don't usually chain buildings from the outside, Sorry. Oh, you think they're trying to keep something in there? Yeah, yes. I, I do. Dab, dab. Dab, dab. I'm going to use spritz and perfume <laughs> on myself. I have to admit, for someone who was so cavalier earlier in our journey, you sure have become a little bit of a wilting lily. I've stepped in a ball of snakes... I was accosted by a scarecrow and nearly eaten by a belcher. I kind of shrug and like look in my pack. Thessal, what say you? What should we do next? Piddle around this town or go where we're supposed to go? You're wanting to unchain it and go straight into the mill. I tug at my robes and feel the coiling snakes that make up the breastplate. Yes. I do not see why looking around here for any more trouble to get into is a good idea. You don't want to go looking for trouble, but you do want to unchain doors and go into a mill. Thank you. So I am alone and looking for the relics that we... Listen, Mandrake, here, written here. That's the sorceress. And I look at Ezio and then I realize that I never actually told Saray about this. I I found books in the, the house that were written by a Beatrix Mandrake, the sorceress. She, she said that the, the scarecrow at the house was protecting them from something, keeping something dreaming. And I unfold the page and hand it to you. You hear a voice. Diabolist and showwoman extraordinaire is the exact title. A woman steps from behind the stable. She is covered with what appears to be a, like a horse blanket, but you can tell she's otherwise quite naked. She's middle-aged, has kind of a wild look in her eyes, a shock of wild red hair. So tell me, what brought you to this place? Are you Beatrix? So you've heard of me, she says with a smile. I don't mind signing an autograph. Just provide the quill and the ink and the paper. I'm happy to do it. Ezio begins digging ink in a quill out of his bag. (laughs) She sees the message on the door. Don't believe Mandrake's lies. Don't believe gossip, rumors, untrustworthy news sources that are false. (sighs) 
Yes, dear. Who should I make it out to? Uh, Ezio, please. Thank you. Ezio. What a nice name. Ezio. Mm. Oh, thank you. Is that with a Z? Yes. Oh, good. That's what I wrote. <sighs> I used to know an Ezio. Long, long time ago. He's probably grave dirt by now. So you're single, then. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm afraid, my dear, that I am far too much woman for someone like you. No offense. None taken. Hmm. <laughs> well, this is all quite a disaster, isn't it? Indeed, yes, it is. Hmm. What happened? Why is the mill chained up? I have a sneaking suspicion, but I don't know who you are. I apologize. I'm Thessel. You've met Ezio, and this is Saray. I believe we have a mutual friend, your Scarecrow. It was uh, quite a friendly fellow. Yes, 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 and doing a magnificent job, she says as she looks at the roof of the mill. She clearly sees something atop the mill that you can't see. What are you looking at? She looks back down at you, gives a small, almost patronizing smile, and says, Nothing. Nothing at all. Nothing you need to concern yourself with. (sighs) I better be on my way. There's a rather surly and unfriendly fellow who's been on my tail for some time. Enjoy your stay in Hester's Mill. It's changed a lot since I was here last. Ezio's hugging the signature at his chest and blushing. So if you want him to do something, I'm not... Nope, that's on brand. Wait, who's following you? She's already like halfway down the road, but she turns back and says, Let's just say a very, very bitter, bitter man. I don't suppose it was that man that we tied to a tree, not yesterday. She continues on down the road. I'm beginning to believe there are no coincidences here. What happened in the mill? (sighs) Well, that answers everything, I guess. We are here too late, but too late is the perfect time to find things that we are looking for, as no one else will be looking for them. What? What are you staring off into the sky about? I hope she'll come back. Oh, my lord. (laughs) Have you found fancy for a a woman scampering around lewdly in pelts? Yes, many times. (laughs) It's a horse blanket, even. (laughs) (laughs) Not even a pelt. (laughs) Ezio, you you never cease to amaze me. Thank you. Looking again at the sky. Well, I'm not sure where to push here. Like, looking at the roof of the mill and back at the door and the chain. We also have a half-crumbled well. Some cottages and a decaying stable. I think, since she was wearing that horse blanket, there may be something in the stable worth looking into. Maybe she left behind a pile of autographs we can hawk for money. Wonderful idea. (laughs) Her message to you, Ezio. Yes? Stay true, for you shall soon find the most important treasure of all. Treasure of the heart. Signed. Beatrix Mandrake, Diabolist and Showwoman Extraordinaire. A treasure of the heart. I'm going to begin scampering off toward the stable. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, Saray, where are you going? If um, my compatriots aren't willing to break into the mill just yet. You said there are some houses? There's a few cottages that are still standing, yeah. I'm going to go root around in there and look for anything of value. Sounds good. And what about you, Thessel? I think I'm going to go with Ezio, because I don't 
really trust him to actually <laughs> look around properly. We'll start with the cottages. So only a few of the cottages are left standing. You'll recall that it's been over a century since this place was occupied by anyone, and so most everything has fallen to ruin or dust or withered away. Each of these cottages is one or two rooms. They each have a door painted with symbols sacred to St. Hester, cornucopias, shafts of wheat, that sort of thing. Although the symbols have been made profane in some way. And you'll notice St. Hester's symbols on other places in the village as well, but they've been made profane. A question to all of you, in what way have St. Hester's symbols been altered to make them profane? The cornucopia has been modified. It's not filled with bounty and fruit. It's full of snakes. Nice. I like this. There's iconography of growing wheat and corn, but all of the heads of it have been shaped into axes and spears and even blades coming out of the ground instead of the harvest itself. The gourds and pumpkins have all been carved with these sort of jack-o'-lantern faces, but not the grinning almost welcoming faces that one would expect, but like these malicious, almost fanged faces with blood coming out their mouths. (laughs) I love it. Good. Each of these cottages, like I said, is one or two rooms. To the extent that any of the furnishings remain, they're pretty simple. But you can have a look around if you want to do a hunt roll. I do indeed want to do a hunt roll. What do you think for skills or equipment? I have a pot of tar. Okay. I suppose this doesn't really aid me in my hunt roll, so I'm just going to use it to cover up these blasphemous markings. I think they kind of just piss me off more than anything. You know, everything is being perverted in this place. And while it's not my religion, it's damn close to my religion, and I'm tired of it. And I think I just pull out this pot of tar, and I just start tarring over everything on the side of these buildings. I mean, you could say that, like, doing this act which is to sort of correct a defilement or correct a profanity right is going to gain favor with your god or the gods or saint hester and maybe that will aid you i actually really love that yeah yeah i mean that's i mean i think you can interpret it that way right like you are looking for divine favor right yeah yeah i love it go ahead and roll two dice four you get a token but you encounter something terrible you're stepping away from you know the tar or whatever doing your thing And there's that well that I mentioned, the half-crumbled well. And you just see a single, thick, black, oily tentacle come out from the well and slap on the side of the stone as if heaving something, pulling something up, and another something is coming out of the well. Let's cut over to the stables. The roof is nearly collapsed, but the stalls still have thick beds of hay in them. The hayloft is intact, but the ladder leading up to it is pretty much unusable and in splinters. But you hear a sound coming from the hayloft as soon as you step inside. It's a sort of... Thessal will look over at Ezio. You hear that? Ezio walking from stall to stall, looking for signs of... Beatrix to have been sleeping on some of the hay. Uh, no, what? What? It's definitely starting to retch, giving this low, like, kind of pained moan, like, <sighs> oh. oh, what is that? I'm not sure. Uh, I kind of instinctually or superstitiously grab the bundle of dried flowers that's around my neck, and I 
try to follow the sound to find out what stable it's coming from. It's coming from the hayloft, and it's not moving. It's like in one place. Is there like a support beam I could climb up? Or maybe I can hop onto the ledge of a stable and then hop up to the loft? Oh, yeah, that's pretty good. You see a creature dying. If it were standing upright, it would be about four or five feet tall, but it's not. It's laying down. The upper half of it is like the head and wings of a crow, and the lower half of it is like a squirming mass of thick, black, oily tentacles. And it's just laying there, clearly injured. It's head, like, kind of lolling about. What do you do? Probably, as I see it, just become startled, because I certainly wasn't expecting a half-crow, half... I don't even know what. It catches me off guard, you know, and I, I probably... Ah! And fall backwards back into the hay pile behind me. Ezio jumps out of the way so you don't fall on him. <laughs> what? 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 I think it might have been one of the things trying to get into the farmhouse last night. I don't think it's a threat right now. It seemed to be dying. But I don't think I want to go up there. Would it's high to fetch a price? It might. Ezio listens to its moans for a moment longer. Then it's dying, you said. It seemed to be. <sighs> All right, but I'm not doing it. And I cradle my hands to boost you up, up into the loft. Yeah, I put my stiletto in my teeth and climb up there. Saray, you see a couple of black tentacles slapping over the side of the half-crumpled well, and one of these creatures hoists itself up out of the well. Like I described it, the main part of its body looks like the head of a crow, with just a pair of stubby wings sticking out of the side. They clearly don't work because it can't fly. It didn't fly up out. And the lower half is like squirming black tentacles. It kind of hisses at you, and... The tentacles begin shuffling it fairly quickly in your direction. What do you do? Well, I have this club, and I would like to utilize it. <laughs> so I think I, I lower my club down and get in a guarded position. And this thing is shambling towards me quickly with its tentacular legs. I'm measuring this thing up as it's running towards me and screaming at it to not attack me, but readying myself. And I'm just going to clock this thing across its big dumb bird head. Let's have a combat. So the way combat works, you are first going to say how you are vulnerable. Feel, I feel like I'm vulnerable to... I can honestly say Saray has never fought anything with more than two arms and two legs. So I think, yeah, I'm in over my head. I have no idea how to fight this thing. And I'm like, that's a head that I can kind of recognize. But I'm just like, the brain must be there. That's what I'll try and finish, but that's it's kind of a the way I'm vulnerable is I'm bullheadedly confident and probably wrongly so. Good. Go ahead and roll weak point. Five. Okay, so your weak point is five. Now, because you're alone, the first round of combat is just one die, which is not enough to kill it because the endurance is eight. So you have to survive a round, and then in the second round you have a chance to actually kill it because you'll get a second die at that point. So let's have a combat one. A five. (laughs) <laughs> it was a five. Um, so Ugh. you don't kill it, and it hits you. Give me the scene. What does it look like? I try and club its head off, right? That's my hope. But my club just sinks into its neck, and the head just seems to wrap around in a similar tentacular way to that. And then it just, like, pecks at my forehead right in front of me and, like, scrapes across my eyelid and my skull 
as it just bites and bites and bites and then just tries to wrap its tentacles around me as if it's going to like just eat me there piecemeal like some dumb chicken. (laughs) I love it. You are at five ruin now, but you do have a couple pieces of armor, so you can take a couple hits if you have to. You could also ignore that last one you just got if you want to mark an armor. You know, I'm kind of interested in utilizing this snake carapace armor to activate the scene of this dumb bird pecking at my face and my overcoat getting ripped away and these snakes coming up and just starting to gnaw at the bird beak, trying to defend me as if it's a part of my personage, I guess. So do you want to mark the snake carapace and then not take that hit? So you're back down to four ruin. Let's just go ahead and do the second combat round. So it's combat two now. Oh, no. Seven. (laughs) Oh, no. Wow, that is a terrible (laughs) roll. Pretty bad roll. Um, For the audio, that was a five and a two, (laughs) which is one short and hit your weak point. You're going to take another hit unless you want to mark your leather armor, but go ahead and describe the scene. At this point, if the two of you want to hear the commotion, you can and run out there and help. The big bird beak is pecking around and it gets bit by a snake on the cheek, tears a little bit of its cheek away, so it starts bleeding. But like any creature, this creature adapts and you see the tentacles wrap around my legs and around my waist, crushing me, right? It's trying to just break me like a... I don't know if octopuses try and break open things on the ocean floor, but for some reason I think of it like that. It's just trying to like crack me like some kind of shelled clam or something. I don't think my armor can take that. My armor's here for bludgeoning blows. So you're taking that hit then? Yeah, let's do it, baby. And here's where I will tell you that most monsters have a defense, which is a special power. This creature's defense is called the crows have eyes. These creatures can see what every other of their species can see at all times. If you fail to destroy one of these things after the second combat roll, another one shows up. (laughs) Oh, no. Oh, great. (laughs) It bumps their total endurance to nine instead of eight. And now there are two of them. And the two of you can join the fray if you wish. So Ezio has just gotten into the loft and is crawling toward this downed monster. Stiletto raised over his head. And we hear Saray yell. Oh no, what is that? I think it's Saray. Come on, get back down. Ah, I'll catch you. And I reach a hand up to like help grab you as you hop down. Come on, and rush out. Yeah, and you'll see two of these creatures, one that Saray is pretty well like locked up with, and the other one that is, seems to have come from somewhere and is joining the fray, flopping along on its tentacles, hissing in the air. I need weak points from you both first. How are you vulnerable? I think I rushed out. I left my scythe in the stable, so all I have is my skinning knife. Oh, nice. Good. Go ahead and roll weak point. Two. Awesome. And how are you vulnerable, Ezio? Conversely, Ezio is terrified of these things. They're unpredictable, and Ezio's a little skittish, and perhaps not taking full surveil of the area. Yeah, I love it. Uh, Go ahead and roll weak. One. So a five, two, and a one. You will both add two dice, and then we get another dice for it being the third round, so that's a total of five combat dice. Go ahead and roll combat five. Yes, no fives. Yes, let's go. Nice. (laughs) Only one hit in all of that. Oh, and look who it is. (laughs) 
<laughs> but our total our total is 10 now six and a four yeah your total's 10 uh, and you rolled just for the listeners so you know what happened there was a six a four a three a three and a one the only weak point is the one so Ezio's taking a hit but otherwise you kill these things let's just start the description of the combat why don't you kick us off Thessal so I think I charge in to help Saray at first, because there is this other one coming, but I'm hoping we can maybe take this one out before it actually gets into the fray. So I rush forward, and while this one crow-headed creature is engaged with Saray or focused on Saray, I come up and at the very least slice a few of these tentacles off with my knife, cutting through it and hopefully giving Saray the chance to take it out. Nice, good. Pick it up, Saray. What happens then? I grab this thing by its lower beak, and I just hold on tightly as my arm is freed with my club, and then I just start beating at the side of its mouth and beat off the bottom of its jaw that hangs loose, and then I just club it upside the jaw and up into the brain. Nice. And Ezio, you get to kill one all your own, but it also hits you, so what does that look like? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so Ezio, Ezio runs out of the stable sheepishly and sees that those two have it, what he perceives to be well in hand, and is relieved for a moment before he's crashed into and goes rolling ass over tea kettle by this other thing. And it wraps its tentacles around him and goes crashing into the side of the well. Ezio hits his head quite hard and they begin pecking at the blood as he is just frightened and desperately stabbing at it with his stiletto, sending this inky black covering him and as he bleeds from his forehead. Nice, good, good. Under the assumption that you're going to kill the one in the loft as well, you will get to roll some gold dice here. So you'll get to roll nine gold dice for the combat, and then you get to roll half the amount for the half-dead one. So four gold dice for that one. So I just need two gold dice rolls here to see how much you're getting away with in terms of that. Ezio, you want to take the honor for the first one? Oh, come on. Nice. That's that's one gold. (laughs) I'll I'll handle the gold four. Yeah. Step your game up, Ezio. I rolled one the last time, too. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Looks like you're getting three total uh, harvest things from these. So, gang, what are we going to call these things? When you're back at the pub in Fort Durin, you know, sharing your tales of Torrens Bend and Hester's Mill and what you found there, what are you going to say you found? We've gone with a cropopod. <laughs> okay, very good. What are you taking from it? You get two things, two of one and one of the other. Yeah. So we're thinking the beak and the tentacles. Nice. So you catch your breath, you go kill the one in the stable, spend some time finding what's good off these things that somebody might want to buy back in Fort Duran. I guess the question now is, what do you do next? Ezio has pulled a new handkerchief out of his bag because his previous one is now covered in the black blood of the cropopods. So dabbing once more at his face, now more wiping than dabbing, I suppose. All right, what, what now? That didn't go exactly as planned. Sitting on the ledge of the hayloft. Well, you know where I want to go. I'll remind you that you can also spend three tokens collectively whenever you wish to accomplish any set goal. That's true. I got, I'm got. i sitting on four hunt tokens, y'all. What are you guys? I think I have some hunt tokens, too. Yeah, you've got two. I've got two. I'm not against doing that. Y'all just want to spend one? And we can kind of poke around the mill a little bit, and I feel like then it will reveal itself to us. That sounds great. Yeah, let's do it. We've got some extras. When you spend your hunt roll token, where are you at precisely? 
in the center of town and I'm at least looking back up on the rooftop because she was definitely looking at something that we couldn't see. And I just, <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. Without rushing in, you know, that's where I'm kind of examining. Ezio is looking at the autograph now stained with his bloody fingerprints and looking back up at the carving in the door that says not to trust Mandrake's lies. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, and I think I'm at the door. Like, Well, I was wondering uh, if you don't mind me suggesting something, just because we know we have like kind of the meta set goal. What if you're like ear-pressed to door, trying to figure out if there's something else inside maybe? Because you, you were the one who was wanting to like go through the door. Yeah, that's fun. I like that. There's no, I don't even hear anything in there. Or I do. So that sounds delightful, yeah. I'll, be, I'll have my ear pressed to the door, trying to hear if anything is bumping around on the inside. I like this setup, the way you've set it up. Go ahead and erase a hunt roll token. Beatrix is very clever. She has on that piece of paper, she was spending quite a bit of time writing it out, but she has on the piece of paper put a secret message. As you hold the paper up to the light, you see that she has managed to surreptitiously write with some kind of invisible ink or maybe just some sort of magical power she has a word it's a word you don't recognize it's a word of incantation what do you do i speak it you speak the word and it's like scales fall from your eyes a curtain of invisibility falls away you see atop the roof a terrible sight It is roughly 15 feet tall. It's perfectly quiet until the spell is broken. Then you can hear it. It is a large, revolting crow surrounded by six smaller crows inside a nest of oily black tentacles. And the large central crow, the head is waving back and forth, and it opens its massive beak. And a sound comes out. Help me! Please help me! Oh dear God, help me! And coming out of the crow's mouth is a partially digested soldier of Lord Galdron. The armor and the cloth is partially dissolved. You can see exposed bone, half his face. You can see the muscle tissue. One of the eyes is totally liquefied. And he's being regurgitated by the central crow, and he's screaming for help. And he falls into the nest of the other little crows, and they tear him apart and eat him. 